All right, time now, trade line edition of Bourbon Biscuits and Barn Burners. And uh, John Hadley has had plenty of the bourbon side of things because he is ready for the St. Louis Blues to pick a franchise-changing defenseman with the 31st overall pick this summer. Right, John? I can tell you this much right now. I wouldn't want to be a Golden Knight or an Avalanche come May, baby. <laughs> that is the voice of John Hadley along with Tim Woodburn. I'm Chris Kerber. Thanks for checking it out. Coming at you after yesterday's trade deadline in the National Hockey League where there was some movement. There was a really big trade right at the end of the deadline. And the Blues and some other teams standing pat, which probably doesn't come as much of a surprise for you. So, Tim, uh, let's start with you. Just what are some of your overall thoughts on yesterday's trade deadline? I, I can't believe what Washington gave up to get Anthony Manta. I just I realize Vance has been on a bad Detroit team basically his entire NHL career and hasn't played in the playoff game ever. But you know when when the St. Louis Blues opened the season at home against Washington a couple of years ago, and I believe they got beaten overtime. I remember Brian Engblom saying, and I concurred, Jacob Brana was the best player on the ice that night. And I mean this guy has seventy goals in the last two seasons plus the goals he has this year. He is outscored, outplayed, uh, and, and is a better player than I wouldn't trade Brana for Anthony Mantha straight up. Much less also throw in a first and a second round draft pick. I, it's just it's it's the biggest highway robbery since uh, Doug Armstrong plucked Ryan O'Reilly from Buffalo for Saboka and Thompson and a, and a bag of pucks. I mean, it's just uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Washington's the sixth best record in the National Hockey League. They're in first place and they trade their fifth leading score for a guy that has under statistically performed for the player that they gave up, much less all the rest that they threw in. I know Hadley's on the other side of the seesaw on this. I think it's highway robbery. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, well, wait a minute. Wait, hang on, hang on. We're, I'm, I'm confused, which didn't take much. It took all about three minutes of a podcast. You're saying highway robbery, meaning Detroit fleeced Washington or the other way around? Absolutely. Okay. Detroit fleeced Washington. Ooh. Detroit got Verona plus Panic, who's a thrill, and he, he's nothing. They got Verona and a first-round pick and a second-round pick for Anthony Manta. Jacob Verona scored 70 goals the last two and a half years. Manta's uh, way under that. I, uh, it, uh, he's out-assisted him. He's outplayed him. He's outperformed him. Verona was the, was the best uh, player on the ice plenty of times when I've watched the Washington Capitals over the last two and a half years. I just can't believe it. They're both about the same age. I realize everybody loves six foot five. Everybody thinks six foot five. you know, he's going to be the next you know, Keith Kachuk in his prime or whatever, but good night. Good night. There, there's I'm a not all, fan. But, I'm, I'm P.O. But listen, there's not all that much difference in the stats between Verona and Mantha. And they've got, they now have Mantha under contract for the next few years. I, I don't see a, I don't see a huge difference there in, in the statistics between those guys. And, and I, plus I, they gave up a first and second round pick curve. I, I'll tell you what, I'm actually, riding the fence on this one, which is why I got a sore crotch. I'm right in the middle of that <laughs> that seesaw. Never a good place to be. But in a truest sense, I think both teams came away with very nice deals. Detroit is still in the building stage, as you so duly noted. Even though they're likely to be lower first-round picks, they did, in fact, pick up two first-round picks, or a first and a second-round pick. They did get a very good player, a player who has a tendency to be a little soft in big games. I think this is all about, truly, all about Washington 
preparing for the likes of Boston, preparing for the likes down the road against Vegas or Colorado. I think this is all about Washington's desire to get bigger and stronger, as Curbs duly noted, getting um, uh, getting another big, strong forward in that lineup. Now, what I don't think a lot of people realize is the fact that um, – um, Easy the, for you the to kid say. for the kid, the kid from Washington is actually younger. He's younger than Mantha. Yeah, J- Jacob Verana's uh, Jacob Verana is a year younger than Mantha. Now Verana, Verana came in with a cap hit of three point five, and he's a restricted free agent. All right, so Anthony Mantha on the flip side is coming in, and they've got him signed for just over over five. Look, though, this move actually. I don't know that this was a fleecing, man. I I, I actually think that oh, this no, is this I, is just a matter of okay. Here, let's let's take let let let's take a couple of overviews of yesterday's trade deadline, and and apply it to here. I think we saw a few extra first round picks going from some teams that expect to go deep because I don't think this draft is really expected to be all that deep of a draft. All right, uh, so. There were different values that teams were obviously putting on first-round picks, especially late ones or even second-round picks. Now, some teams were demanding picks because don't forget about the expansion draft, and we'll hit on that over the course of this podcast because that, without a shred of doubt, affected some of these deals. Whether draft picks were going one way or another, maybe it's an extra draft pick somebody could you know ship out to Seattle so another guy isn't taken. You name it. But you know, I I actually like this deal from a Washington standpoint, because it changes things up a little bit and it gives them a little more size. And we are continuing to see with what Tampa did last year, with what the Blues did the year before, the way Washington played the year before the Blues won it, some extra size is going to matter in these playoffs. And and I I actually like this deal for Washington. Watch watch Jacob Brana become an elite player in Detroit. Let's have this conversation a year from now because – he didn't get on the first power play. You're not on the first power play when you have teammates named Backstrom, Ovechkin, Carlson, and Ochie. Okay, this guy only had four. Even this guy only had four power play points out of his 25 the whole year. This guy gets it done at even strength and throw him on the power play and give him the power play time to pad his stats with. He was the best plus minus forward on the Washington Capitals this year. The team was in first place, and to break that up. At this stage in the season, I, I just don't understand why a first-place team did it. I can understand a fourth-place team like Boston making the deal they did after getting their butt kicked 8-1 to one and still going out and getting Taylor Hall. But for Washington, a first-place team to do this, it, it's just I'm just stunned. Look, you put that size on the left wing on that second line, all right, which I, I think is big. That's, that's at least where he's going to be slotted to play right now, all right? And you're not – man – you're Washington. You're looking for one piece that's going to put you in the mix right now. It, it's a totally different beast. And I actually, what I what I really like about this trade is this one feels like an actual hockey trade that makes sense for both teams. That's that's what I'm saying, guys. I really think it, this will turn out to be a good deal for both teams. Washington plays a certain style with a talent level that should, you know, raise the game of Mantha and get the most out of him. You had the you had the depth of the draft picks, and I don't care how bad a draft is. If you can't find if you if you got a first and second round pick, and you can't find a player, that's your fault. That's a team's fault, you know. And Detroit is is Detroit style. I mean, Iserman is doing the same thing in Detroit 
just with being a little bit more behind the eight ball and not having as much talent as he did in Tampa. He's, I'll tell you what, if I'm a Red Wings fan, I'm looking forward, and I'm serious a heart attack here, I'm looking forward to the uh, 23-24 season. That's when I get a good feel for the fact that my team's back. Well, see, and that's that's the important thing here. The draft picks are much more valuable to the Detroit Red Wings than they are to the Washington Capitals. Because even the, the likelihood of a draft pick that is picked 20 or later impacting you within the next year or two, I mean, it's look right. how long it's even taken Robert Thomas with the St. Louis Blues, right? So the, the fact that it's going to even take, like the likelihood of them impacting you in the next two years is so slim. And you are right now in that still go get it window with Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Oshie, Backstrom, and 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 Eller. You're so good down the middle, right? And you're still got a terrific defense there with Carlson and Orloff uh, leading the way. And then you've you brought in Chara. This is more about the absolute now, the this year and the next year for the Washington Capitals than than it is about anything else. Which is why this deal, actually, in my opinion, the, those draft picks. Second round draft pick for the Washington Capitals right now uh, to do something and get the size and, and a little extra bite that they needed, I, I think is a price well worth paying. I don't disagree. And frankly, I think the Boston Bruins rolled the dice on a player that could be a difference maker for them. Again, the operative word being could and could being spoken very tentatively. But, I mean, you, you, you've got a guy who can change a playoff series. It's just he hasn't happened to show that for about two and a half years now. But you have a guy who could change the playoff series added to the Bruins rotation. And I'll tell you what, when you add in a, to, to the additions that the Lightning made with the fact that Kucherov's coming back, I'm not so sure that when everything is said and done that it's not the same old, same old. I would not be remotely surprised to see Tampa repeat this year. But you go up and down that, the Islanders are a much better hockey team than they began with. I think their coaching staff's as good as there is in the league. You know, I mean, the only, the only team that I'm a little surprised, guys, I'm a little surprised we're not more aggressive considering where they currently stand. Because Toronto greatly improved their team. I'm a little surprised by Carolina and to a lesser uh, lesser degree, uh, Winnipeg. You know, I mean, I, Carolina, I, I think could have added a little bit more depth, maybe a little more help defensively. And Winnipeg, I mean, boys, I'm telling you, when Winnipeg's on their game, they're a beast. That's a good hockey team, man. The Winnipeg Jets are one of five teams in the National Hockey League that so far this season have not lost, have not gone more than two games in a row without a win. I mean, they, they, they've been really solid. But I look – okay, you just said on like six teams there. Let's start with the Boston Bruins. We haven't even got it. We'll, we'll get to the Blues here in a minute because they didn't do much, and there's a reason for it. Uh, Kevin Adams had his hands tied, and it's his own fault. It's his own fault. He had his hands tied with Taylor Hall because he gave him a no-movement clause. There are reports that there might have been even a little bit better deal out there for Taylor Hall than the Boston Bruins – but because Taylor Hall wanted to go to the Bruins, Kevin Adams had his hands tied. So when you trade a player that can play as well as Taylor Hall can play, 
and you're not able to get a first-round draft pick, but a Nick Foligno gets a first-round draft pick and an Anthony Mantha gets a first-round draft pick, you did not do as well as you could have done in most normal situations. So no movement clauses bite, and I love what Doug Armstrong said about them once. He goes, I don't believe that any player should have more power than the owner. And that's what a no movement clause does. So then they get Lazar, who will help solidify their fourth line a little bit. I still don't know if their defense is going to quite be good enough, and and who knows what the health of Tuka Rask is going to do for the Boston Bruins, because that's it. If Tuka Rask isn't healthy, then they don't have a chance anyway. You know, but right. it'll be it'll be kind of fascinating to see how Taylor Hall responds. Where for the first time in a while, he doesn't have to be looked upon as the go-to guy. There's so many other guys that he could actually just come in and play some hockey, and it might actually relieve enough pressure on him for him to become a hockey player again. Right. Well, he's in a contract year, and and you know he wasn't. I mean, two goals all season with the Buffalo Sabres and now all of a sudden he goes to a Boston Bruins team that's got some big time weapons and you know I, I remember when Taylor Hall won the MVP and uh with the Devils and and for many of the games that year as a left shot he was a, a quarterback of the power play where you normally you would see a defenseman perform that role you know he was a fourth forward out there and he ran the power play it'd be very interesting to see with the with the weapons that the Bruins have if they employ him in that area since they lost Krug they lost Chara you know, they, they're defensively, they're very young uh, with regard to special teams, especially in the postseason. I, I like that addition. And plus, you know, this guy's playing for a contract as well. And and, uh, and that's always the extra motivation. But but adding him to that unit, uh, if they put him out there as a fourth forward in the power play, it's going to make that power play, I think, the best in the NHL. All right, John John brought up the Toronto Maple Leafs. I want to throw this at you because, Tim, you, you just mentioned when, we were, when you're fired up about Washington – you know, you got a team that's in first place, and you make and you make a a trade. You know, what does that do? The Toronto Maple Leafs actually confuse me. I mean, they they really do confuse me on this because if you go back even till the middle of February, let's say, all right, when they made the trade and and picked up picked up uh, Alex Galchenyuk, all right, okay, then they traded out at kind of a, a no name goaltender. That's that's not that big of a deal as as March began. Then you start to head towards the trade deadline. All right, and the Toronto Maple Leafs, they pick up Riley Nash. Okay, that's a pretty good pickup and a depth forward for them from uh, from the Columbus Blue Jackets. They continue to go, and on the trade deadline, they pick up Nick Foligno. That's a heck of a pickup, and they gave up a first-round pick and then a fourth-round pick the following year for that one. Okay, Stefan Nason, they pick up from the San Jose Sharks, another depth forward. They pick up David Riddick uh, from a goaltending standpoint. The, the Toronto Maple Leafs have actually kind of Continued it well, and then right towards the deadline, it was Ben Hutton. On the, they've added a lot of depth. I got to be honest with you guys. I, I, I don't. That's a lot of changes for a team that seemed to be knocking on the door pretty much already, and with a lot of guys that are getting there now, you got to figure out how to work this in with the depth that that lineup has from top to bottom right now. How they aren't considered at least, uh, I, John, maybe you have the stats. Are they considered a top five favorite? Uh, let's see. Yeah, they would be based on Vegas odds. Yeah. Okay. And they're definitely in the top six. All right. So they're looking for their first Stanley cup since, since 1967, but you've got, you've got a lineup that goes Galchenyuk, Matthews and Marner, right? Then Tavares, Mikhaev, and, and you probably, you probably end up putting Nick Felino maybe on that second line at that point in time, right? When he's able to join. So when 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 he's able when when Nick Foligno gets there that moves Zach Hyman down, 
you've got uh, essentially a well that'll move Thornton and Spezza down to a fourth line too. They've actually now gotten to depth and experience throughout that entire lineup. They've added some grit on the defensive side of it. The question is going to be is are they going to get any kind of a goaltending that they need from Jack Campbell and David Riddick in the playoffs? And if it is, that that team should go far, especially since it's likely that, well, we already know that one of those Canadian teams is automatically going to be in a conference final. So that that that's a lot of movement for a team that was butted up against the cap anyway. And they had to, I mean, how about the fact that these teams, several different, many of them, had to actually get a third team to help broker cap space and how some teams started trading cap space for draft picks. You're buying draft picks. I love it. Goes to the high spitter. And logical. Detroit, San Jose, a couple teams came away very nicely doing so. Yeah, San Jose, uh, San Jose ended up doing it a, uh, a couple of times. Hey, let's go. Let, let's jump uh, back to the St. Louis Blues here, guys, and, and, and take a look at this. In the end, no moves from Doug Armstrong. Uh, really, you know, no moves all season long. And I actually think this is a very calm, calculated, and smart approach for the St. Louis Blues. I and and you guys can debate me on this one. It sort of feels to me right now, despite the fact that the Blues won the Stanley Cup two seasons ago, that right now you could compare this maybe to the 2000, 2001, 2002 season, somewhere in there, where it was Detroit and Colorado in an arms race just above you, and you're trying to knock through that door. And I think the injuries, the departures of free agency, and uh, and and some of the career-ending uh, injuries the Blues have had to deal with as well have kind of put the Blues in a situation right now where the arms race is Vegas and Colorado, and the Blues are back to knocking through that door on a little bit of a reset. Well, I, I, I agree with that assessment, and I agree in the end in the end, after seeing the way things played out, I'm pretty comfortable with the lack of movement by the St. Louis Blues because a couple of the forwards that I would have loved to see wear the blue note going into postseason play, um, I would not have paid the price for. I mean, I would love to see Mantha wearing a blue note. I would love to see Felino playing a blue, uh, wearing a blue note. But there's no way that I would have paid that price at this point, if I'm the St. Louis Blues. And with some of the second-level defensemen, I would like to see, they were a little bit too high-priced. I think ultimately, at some point in time, if you're not in a position where one player can make a difference and you need multiple players, then you fold your hand until another day. And I think that's ultimately what Armstrong did. Because, again, it's going to take a miracle for this team under the best of circumstances because of the great point that you made about going back to the days I try to forget of uh, Eiserman and Stastny and Forsberg and uh, Lidstrom and Zach. <laughs> I don't even want to think Chelios about it. And Shanahan. But, I keep seeing I'm going down a vortex but, uh, now. Yeah. I mean, I, I my, my top five, top six aren't greatly different than most others, other than I have them shuffled differently. I, I know most everyone thinks Colorado is the best team in hockey. I have Colorado number three. I have Vegas number one, Tampa number two, Colorado three, uh, Toronto four, and I could put a handful of teams at number five and be very, very comfortable. 
But the point is, you're you're in a division that, in order to advance, you're going to have to be, in all likelihood, in all likelihood, you're going to have to beat two of the best three teams in hockey just to advance. Just to advance. So, was there anything that the Blues could have done during this trading deadline that would have made them a top four or five team? And the answer is no. No. Now, can, can no. the Blues be competitive and, and pull a surprise? Yeah. But it's gonna, you're, you're going to ha- have to harken back to two years ago. I mean, Bennington is going to have to play well, well above expectation. Even with the expectations now, his regular season play has diminished what he's capable of doing, and we've seen him postseason play. You're going to have to find magic with your third and fourth lines. Is that possible? Oh, there's enough depth there that I wouldn't rule it out, but I'm not going to count on it. I mean, there's just nothing Armstrong could have done to put this team in a position where you're feeling, you're, you're feeling like, hey, I've given up a lot, but you know we're, we're going out right now and we can throw down with anybody. That's not the case. Well, Tim, there. Colorado, if Colorado and Vegas goes out and they play their best games, curves, and this is against this is nothing against my note, but if Colorado and Vegas go out and play their best games, the Blues can't beat them. The other factor that I think fans have to keep in mind here, Tim, is the Blues already this season do not have a second round pick, and they do not have a fourth round pick. All right, so the the next draft. The next draft where the Blues have currently have every one of their picks, one through seven, is 2023 because they've already traded away the seventh-round pick in the 2022 draft. Now, they got one through six in 2022, but they don't have a second. They don't have a fourth. You're up against the salary cap. So even if there was a defenseman, even if you wanted to make a play for one of those defensemen, any dollars coming in would have meant dollars going out. And because of the injuries to Sunquist. Because of the other injuries that you have dealt with to Gunnarsson, you, what are you going to be sending out? Like, you'd almost to bring somebody in. That means you also have to send somebody out, and the person that's being brought in has to be marketedly better than what you currently have. And I'm, I'm, and I'm sp- speaking primarily from a defensive standpoint. And I didn't see a defenseman go that one makes you marketably better to be worth the price that you would have had to pay for it because it would have cost you another part of your lineup and depleted you somewhere else at the same time. Well, first of all, with regard to the Blues' lack of movement at the trading deadline, I call that the Stasny factor, in that they traded Paul Stasny at the trading deadline a couple of years ago, three years ago, and then missed the playoffs on the last game of the season. And I I don't really understand why... Armstrong decided to trade Stasny when they're in the playoff hunt at the time. So they're, in, they're, they're basically in the same situation as they were in the year they traded Stasny. They're in, they're in the hunt. They're in the mix. You know, they're, 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 they're a borderline. Are we going to get in? Are we, are we not going to get in team with about 15 games to go? I, I don't, you know, they played just well enough to win those last three games prior to this recording and prior to the deadline. I, I think they got outplayed in two of those three games. They got outplayed in the Vegas game, but yet they won. Bennington won that game for them. They got outplayed by the Wild on Saturday, uh, scored a fluke goal late. Maybe not so fluke. Hoffman did a good job getting the puck to the net and, and, and got lucky in overtime with a, with a great shot by O'Reilly to get that extra point. I mean, those, those, those things can go either way. 
they're just they're still not a dominant team. They had a, they had a, a great game against Minnesota the other night, but you know they're still getting outplayed too often for me to get excited. And and I don't think that there's really anything out there looking at the players that got moved that would have said, "Wow, I wish we got him. We'd have been a lot better if we got him." Because you're exactly right. You'd had to give up something to get something. And keep in mind, and as far as your draft pick breakdown goes, Chris, you know not only that do they not have those picks, they're they're going to lose somebody good to the Seattle Kraken. You know. I, uh, they, the, the seven forwards they can protect, I mean, the four guarantees in my mind are Tarasenko, O'Reilly, Shen, and Perron. So now you, now you got three more that you can protect. Let's put, let's go ahead, despite my, uh, on Robert Thomas, say that he and Kairou are both going to be protected as well. So now you're down, so that's, now you're up to six. You don't protect one more. That Sunquist. means only one of the, only, only one of the three players. Blay, Barbashev, and Sunkvist can be protected. The others are going to have to be exposed. That, and, no, and they're going right. to lose somebody good. They're, they're going to lose somebody good that they developed from day one, that they drafted and that they developed from day one, and one of those guys is going to be gone next year. So the experience of general managers, and Doug Armstrong talked about this when he met with the media, and, and Army was actually ahead. I think Army was ahead of these other general managers in the last expansion draft because I remember sitting down and talking with them about, you know, what what could happen, that kind of thing. And I asked him the specific question of, would you trade a draft pick to Las Vegas so somebody on your team doesn't get picked? He goes, any way I cut it, I'm going to be losing a good player. So why do I want to lose a good player and the ability to add another piece to this organization down the road? He goes, that's just not going to happen here. We're not going to do it. And and they they felt that... David Perron was probably the guy they were going to lose, and they did lose him. They had a pretty good read on that. You're right. They are going to lose a good player. Now, if they lose Vince Dunn, they figure, okay, you might have a Perunovic coming in. You've got, what is it, can a Jake Wallman take another step up? That's what they're trying to see right now. If you lose a Zach Fan Sanford, if you lose a Sammy Blake, to, to me, to me, after, after, oh, see, we're going a little bit off the beaten path here, but that's that's okay. This is this is an ADHD podcast. I'm telling you the one guy I don't want to lose in the expansion draft. And I believe this is probably the one guy that Seattle should take if the Blues don't protect him. And that's Ivan Barbashev. At 25 years of age, at a low salary of one and a half million bucks, Ivan Barbashev, who you still have some rights to it is such a Swiss Army knife for this team like Oscar Sundquist. I'm telling you what, I'm willing to let them take a Sanford or one of the other forwards. I'm willing to let them take Vince Dunn. The other I'm they could I I'd be I mean Villy, they gotta take three goaltenders, guys. Villy Huso becomes a real interesting one for them too. So either way, you're right. The, the Blues are losing it. But Doug Armstrong said that that this is a that without a doubt that the expansion draft played a role in the trade deadline this year. Because what you learned from the last one is uh, you can acquire some players, but the price that you might pay to acquire that player, let's let's and let's let's put the Washington Capitals back into the mix here on this story, okay? All right. The Washington Capitals now, for that trade to be worth it, have to make sure that they are protecting protecting Mantha. Okay? Now in the end, that's probably fine. But if they had acquired another piece or two, what does that do to who you decide to have to protect? And he said that absolutely had to play a role in, in your decision-making at this trade deadline. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I'll tell you what, in, in the, in the blues division, Colorado and Vegas, Vegas, I still think man for man's a better team and I'm banking on their golding. When it comes to the avalanche, the avalanche remind me of Joe Quinn, Bill's blues. I just, I, Dubnik and, and Grubauer, they don't scare me at all. Let me, let me do it and then I'll believe in it. But you go division by division. You tell me who's going to win that division? Washington, the Islanders, Boston, Pittsburgh, by the way. That was a very nice late pickup for Pittsburgh, putting Carter in the middle of that lineup. That is a great pickup for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, I mean, that's I, I will be I will be glued to watching the Blues division and to be watching that those four teams contest and what should just be a ridiculous, ridiculous division. And we haven't even mentioned the New York Islanders. And I still contend you could make a case for that being the fifth best team in this league. And t- and the Islanders in Tampa, mm-mm-mm. I'm telling you, Winnipeg and Toronto, I, I just, now that the trading deadline's over with, just get me to the playoffs because the matchups are going to be glory. I'll make the case that the New York Islanders may be the best structured team in the league, but not the best team in the league. I'd even made the case that even some of the Stanley Cups that the New Jersey Devils won didn't, yes, by virtue of winning the Cup, they were the best team that year. We'll give them that moniker. But I don't know that they were the best team, if that makes any kind of sense. Like, right, right. I mean, it's this. Isn't it, odd? Isn't it odd that with no fans being allowed in most arenas and, and other arenas just now opening up to 10 or 15% capacity or whatever, isn't it odd that the New York Islanders would have an 18-2-2 record at home and be 500 on the road, considering that there's no, there's no, you know, sixth man or seventh man, I should say, on the ice being the fan. I, I, I it, it blows me away to see numbers like that in this in this crazy COVID year that the, the NHL is going through to see such a wide disparity amongst one of the elite teams in the league because essentially. You're, you're playing in front of the same non-crowd every night, regardless of – it's just all you're doing is changing the color of your jersey. That's it. I think that means that when you have a team that's kind of defensive-minded or a team that can play with that kind of structure that Barry trots and with their general manager, Lou Lamorello, is, matchups make a big difference. That's what that seems say, to tell me. Uh, I, I was going to say that truly, you know, when the, we're, oftentimes when it comes to football, we talk about coordinators, we talk about systems, this, that, and the other thing. You tell me one team in, in, in hockey that can sit down and have two guys watch tape and do a better job of game planning than Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotswell for the New York Islanders. Oh. Not to be had. Not not with what they have on the roster. I I, I I think there's some other teams that have done a that, that do a plenty good job, but you don't I mean, like like what Vegas does and what Colorado does, I I put them right up there with them. But the difference is, is they don't need to be as they don't need to be as tight because they have the ability to kind of go the other way a little bit. It's the one right. thing. It's the one thing that's going to bite the New York Islanders. Okay, John is to me is the fact that if you're going to have it because Anders Lee is out and and you they're hoping that that they 
done something there with the trade with the New Jersey Devils and getting Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak to help with some of their depth. But with the fact that, Tra- that, that Anders Lee is out and you're missing that size, that speed, and, and, and his scoring ability up front, do the New York Islanders have the ability to win a game five or six, five to four, six to five, if they have to? And that could be a difference maker. No question. All right, I'm no looking. I'm, but, but, but the last thing I say about the playoffs is when any time that I can sit and watch Montreal and Toronto open a playoffs, and that's very likely going to happen. Everything else is good because you know that's a war. You know that's a war. Okay, John, the betting man that you are, who starts game one for the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs in the goal? Come on, you know this. You know this, and I know this. You know what it's going to be. Okay. I'm not saying it should, should but you know what it's going to be. Who should it be? Anybody but Carey Price. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, but, an, even better question, but, an even better question is which one will they protect at the end of the year? I'm exposed. I, guys, I am telling you right now, I am exposing Carey Price. I'd be I, shocked if they don't. That's a smart play. I, I am exposing Carey Price. Uh, I just, I mean, but I mean, but that is why, that's why Mark Bergevin brought in Sean Burke and is getting a different view of his goaltending right now. Because here's the deal. You look at the last 10 Stanley Cups won, and Carey Price's name isn't on any one of them. Now, now look, now how many times did Ed Belfour go to the playoffs with a team and not win until the Dallas Stars win? So, look, I'm not saying he can't win it. I'm not saying he's not a good goaltender. But, but man, oh, man, if you're looking at the way teams are being built right now and how it's going – it's going to be hard for them to continue to stay in form if you've got another couple of years of paying $15 million combined to your goaltenders. I got to think Carey Price gets left exposed. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's funny because I've been reading a few things after the fact with the trading deadline and, you know, Toronto whipping through that division and yada, yada. Let me tell you something right now. There's every reason to believe that Toronto will emerge. Hey, wait a minute. Division. Wait, time out. Time out. Time out. I believe that the Montreal Canadiens should expose Carey Price. But the Montreal Canadiens may not have the choice. He has a no-movement clause. He doesn't have a modified uh, no, no trade clause, right? Or a modified. He's got, a, he's got an ironclad no-movement clause. And that yeah, but no, he can waive that. Okay, he can waive that, but that's the point. The Montreal Canadiens may not have a choice. So if he, and this is the way that goes with the expansion draft, if he does not waive it, Montreal has no choice but to, but to uh, protect him. Who the hell wants to be a Kraken? Now, let me ask you a question. If, if teams do make deals, Hey, uh, we'll we'll give you this draft. I mean, is that how the NHL did that when uh, when Vegas made a couple deals like that? Yes, they announced that they acquired this pick in in exchange for agreeing not to select so and so. Did it actually read like that? No on the transaction ticker. No. How does that work? So the way that works is, that like is gentlemen you, behind the door. You kind of sit there and say, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to give you 
you know, it might be, well, yeah, it's kind of like, I guess, the gentleman's agreement. Look, we're going to send you this pick. You're not going to take that guy, uh, a certain guy. Or we're going to send you. Come on, uh, man. We're, we're going to say, or you can do what you can do what the Panthers did, and and I will pull this one up real quick just to make sure I I, I get it right. But um, the Panthers did it with Marcia. So, all right. So when when the Vegas Golden Knights, let's see here, pull up Jonathan Marcia. So. Well, he's looking that up, Tim. Go back and watch The Sopranos, man. You have to understand, nothing is overt. You think Tony or Tony owned that strip club because he wanted to? He was cleaning money. Let me tell you something. When I got you're, not, you're not going to put that on the line. We're when, paying you off with a draft pick. You're going to be screwed with the wording. When I got COVID in November, on November the 14th, the day I got it, or the day I, I first got symptoms, and I was sick for two weeks, that's what I did. During COVID, was I rewatched all five seasons of The Sopranos? That's all I did because I, I didn't move off the couch. I'm couch, toilet, bed, couch, toilet, bed, fourteen straight days, and uh, and that's what I did. And I thoroughly enjoyed doing that. That was that was an awesome rewatch. All right, so Marcia, so Marcia, so was claimed by the Vegas Golden Knights, but the Florida Panthers sent a, a, a draft pick to Vegas. To, to make sure that they didn't take Huberto or something along those those kind of lines. I don't remember the exact scenario, to be honest with you guys at this point, but, yeah, that's that's how that happens. And, by the way, Tim, you, that's not just what you did. That, that, wasn't that during a stretch when you were watching The Sopranos that uh, your ear decided to swallow up your uh, earbud? No, that was much That was much later. Oh, I had, okay. John, I don't know if you know, I, I was watching the uh, – This is a great barn burner, John. I was watching the uh, NCAA, NCAA championship game. Uh, on Monday night, and I like to listen to music if I don't like the announcers, and so I was listening to music while I was watching that game, and uh, and the next day I had to have the, the earbud uh, surgically extracted from my ear by Oakville Urgent Care. Thanks to the folks down there on Telegraph Road. <laughs> Unbelievable! I know. I I know the truth of that. It had to do something with the fact that somebody had a substantial sum of money on some team called the Zags. I don't know which I want to be less. Do I want to be a Zag or do I want to be a Kraken? You know, and, and the best part about that was that the guy that I had the biggest amount of money on, we were supposed to watch the game together, and he bailed at the last minute. And I, I texted him. I said, thank God, because you would have not wanted to sit next to me watching that game. I, I'm the world's worst person to sit next to when my team isn't doing well. That's why I have to watch games by myself. <laughs> I throw separate tantrums like I'm, like I'm, like I'm one instead of 51. And I think the temper tantrums I throw now dominate the temper tantrums I threw as a one-year-old. Not well, that I remember any of them. Well, but I asked my mom, and she says, I'm just as good at it now as I was when I was one. Well, they should be, because you've gotten better at them. They should be better tantrums. That's right. Right. Yes. perfect. Absolutely. Fellas, fun trade deadline stuff. Now we just have to see how things shake out. I honestly am curious out of all those moves that happened yesterday around the National Hockey League, like, I, I'm not sure I'm looking at any one of them. I'm not sure I'm looking at any one of them except maybe Taylor Hall to the Boston Bruins going, that one, like, puts them over the top. And the Bruins just needed more scoring to be able to get in, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure you're going, oh, my gosh, they just went that much better than the rest of them. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, the, the Bruins... 
made moves in an attempt to be able to play at the same level of the competition that they're going to have to face. I, I still think that Mathen and that and the, and the Capitals is one to watch. I think Felino bringing that heat and that attitude to the Maple Leafs could be huge in the end. And I'll tell you one, I, I think, uh, I think the Bennett kid in Florida with the way that Joel plays, if the Panthers do advance and surprise people, I would not be remotely surprised to see Bennett's name mentioned early and often in that series. Yep. Well, and, and, and to wrap this up, you know, the Blues, as it stands now, are in the playoffs by winning percentage. We're going on that. Of course, there's you know, un, 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 uneven number of games played by all the teams. Everybody's got a different game played number. But this is going to come down to whether or not the Blues can beat the Minnesota Wilds. With, with the way that the schedule cracks out, you know, Colorado is going to be the one seed in this division. I, 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 I'm a firm believer in that. I think they're the, the second or third best team in the NHL. They're red hot right now. Uh, and the Blues remarkably have played Colorado so much better than Vegas this year. I, if, if I'm, if I'm asked who would I rather play, careful what you ask for, you just might get it. I, I would rather actually play Colorado than the two seed Vegas based on the way games have gone this year. 100% agree if, if, with if you. Consider that a fact. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with you. I still think, one, it's going to come down to how you play against Minnesota, and you are still going to have to get some points against Colorado. It, those are, you, you, that, you're going to have to play really well against Minnesota, beat them, and you're going to have to get some points against Colorado. Because Arizona, while they're struggling right now, having lost four straight, they do have enough games against those lesser teams that um, that that they can really keep the push on it. It'll be interesting, and I mean, hell, who knows? San Jose, San Jose catches lightning in a, a bottle, but I don't think Martin Jones is going to be good enough to get the job done for them anyway. So we'll see how that shakes out, fellas. Nice job. Let's uh, let's let's convene later in the week, uh, and uh, we'll get it going again for the final fifteen games of the St. Louis Blues. By the way, how about the fact that you've had a you've had the games canceled for all the different reasons the Blues have had this year: weather, COVID, social. I mean, amazing. And then all almost at the last second. Yes. Oh, it, how many games? How many games have they have they not played this year where they skated the game day skate and then didn't play the game that night? I think I think we're at three. One is, I know it's I, a two, I, I, maybe one, three. One was in Vegas. One was in Vegas. One was in uh, Minnesota just uh, yesterday. And then the and LA one. Was there one in LA? Yeah. Then the LA game. Yep. Right. Okay. Three. Three. Phenomenal. Unreal. All right, that's Tim Woodburn. That's John Hadley. I'm Chris Kerber. It's Bourbon Biscuits and Barn Burner, our trade deadline edition. Thanks for checking it out. We'll be back with you a little later in the week and uh, get things rolling again as the Blues make their push and these other teams make their pushes for the playoffs and then hopefully a hell of a run to the Stanley Cup. Thanks for checking out all of the different podcast platforms. It's Bourbon Biscuits and Barn Burners. More episodes coming up. Nice job, fellas.